So for nearly everyone at some point during the day today, I'm sure it's felt like a very long day. And can you hear me in the back? Louder. Okay. And I have full confidence. Can you hear me now, Dory? Yeah. Um, I have full confidence that everyone has been trying their best amidst fatigue, amidst restlessness, amidst doubt. And everyone has heard the instructions to be aware, to be mindful. And yet, at least at times during the day today, probably everyone has thought, well, nothing's changing. I'm being mindful. And yet, nothing's changing. Or, you know, nothing's changing enough or fast enough the way, um, way it should be changing. Usually... This is so because of non-acceptance of how things are in the here and now. There is really a big difference between knowing what our experience is and accepting what our experience is. And so what I would like to talk about this evening is acceptance and transformation. And I'd like to begin with something that Nisargardatta Maharaj said, which is, by watching yourself in your daily life with alert interest, with the intention to understand rather than to judge, in full acceptance of whatever may emerge, because it is there, you encourage the deep to come to the surface and enrich your life and consciousness with its captive energies. This is the great work of awareness. It removes obstacles and releases energies by understanding the nature of life and mind. Intelligence is the door to freedom, and alert attention is the mother of intelligence. This path of meditation is clearly a path of awareness. Awareness or mindfulness includes acknowledgement, It includes acceptance, and it also includes interest and understanding, out of which come transformation. What I mean by transformation is understanding things as they actually are, understanding who we are. Transformation meaning freeing the heart from its torments. The result of freeing the heart from its torments is inner freedom. So really to define my terms, how I'm using acknowledgement and acceptance and interest. Acknowledgement simply means, it's very, very simple, it means recognizing what is happening inwardly. Just simply knowing what is happening inwardly in the here and now. As Izumi Shikobo said, watching the moon at midnight, solitary mid-sky, I knew myself completely, no part left out. Watching the moon at midnight, solitary mid-sky, I knew myself completely, no part left out. So, This is what recognizing and acknowledging 
our experience from moment to moment means leaving no part out. In this body-mind process, what can be known? What can be acknowledged? Very differently than the question of what can be thought about, which is plenty of things, or described. So the question is, what is happening with the body right now? Can we know? Can we simply acknowledge? Can we recognize What's going on in this body right now? What's it like to have a body right now? You know, it feels tense or it feels relaxed. It feels like this or it feels like that. There's pleasure and there's pain. Just to recognize this is this first aspect of mindfulness. How is the mind right here and right now? And it's not a rhetorical question, really actually right here and right now. How is the mind? Um... You know, is it spacey? Is it spacious? Is it contracted? Is it tense? What is happening regarding thoughts? What thoughts are happening right here and right now? What's the mood? What are the emotions? What are the intentions? What are are the perceptions? And just to know, not to fuss with it, just to know, just to acknowledge what is happening is a recognition of our experience. After recognizing, because sometimes we just stop right then and there. You know, we stop at the level of recognizing and acknowledging. But it has to go deeper. Now, after recognition and acknowledgement, then is the great work of acceptance. It's too superficial to just know, you know, to be able to say, this is the experience that's happening for me. But then to go a level deeper and to accept what we're recognizing and acknowledging. This is how the practice can go deeper. As Maharaj said, in full awareness of whatever may emerge, in full awareness of whatever may emerge, and really to stress the word whatever. Not what we want to emerge or plan on emerging or think should emerge or wish weren't emerging, but whatever actually is emerging. We can very easily know what is happening without accepting it. We do this all the time. I mean, sometimes on retreats, because of more and more moments of wakefulness, we do know more of our experience. We can recognize and acknowledge more of our experiences. It's clearer to us. But it is very, very possible, as I said, to know what our experience is without getting anywhere close to accepting it and embracing it. Other words for acceptance, because sometimes acceptance is not such a great word. So other words that you might want to use for the word acceptance is allowing. Is it possible to allow things to be as they are? Is it possible to make room for what's happening right here and right now? Is it possible to not judge? To practice the art of non-resistance 
Is it possible to relax into discomfort? To open to things as they are? To embrace what is happening inwardly as it is? Acceptance is an open-hearted attentiveness. It's not judging what is seen. The seeing is always positive, but oftentimes we don't really like what we see. And so because of that, you know, as one teacher said at one point, um, the practice is just one insult after another. Some of you may have heard that. <laughs> you know? And it's because we see a lot. You know, we, we do see, we do acknowledge. You can't not sitting here doing nothing. You have to be able to see. But it is very possible to, um, to see and not take it as a positive thing. You know, to really see it as not such great news because we're not seeing what we hoped to see or wish to see. Sometimes we're seeing what we really wished we didn't have to see. But from the viewpoint of practice, it's always positive to see whatever it is that we're seeing. It's always a good thing. And then we just need to move into accepting it and embracing. The attitude in practice is the willingness to understand, not to condemn, not to cling to, not to try to get rid of. We can't let go of what we haven't understood. And this is why the seeing is always positive. The practice is an invitation into accepting ourselves as we are and not some ideal of how we should be. Because we always should be different. You know, always we should be different than the way that we are. Any given moment. You know, we should be different. We have these ideas about ourselves. According to agendas, expectations, what we've told ourselves, what other people have told us about ourselves, have defined us to be, that we've believed, always we should be different. And the fact is, you know, we're, we're all just a little bit on the odd side, you know. <laughs> all of us. You know, me, you, all of us are just a little bit on the odd side. Yeah? A little bit strange. Um, <laughs> someone wrote to um, Tofu Roshi and said, I am weird, can I help it? <laughs> By Anonymous. Dear Anon, I would have to make your acquaintance before I could answer your question. Were you born weird or did you later become so? In any case, the most important thing is to accept yourself as you are, assuming, of course, that you first take care of your personal grooming and hygiene. (laughs) I beg you to accept yourself as you are. Buddhist practice is what you may call a come-as-you-are party. (laughs) And it's true. This really is a come-as-you-are retreat. No? No reason to leave any of yourself out. Acceptance is metta. Acceptance is sustained loving kindness. It's an unconditional loving kindness, which means a measureless affection being extended whatever it is that is happening. And again, I want to stress that word whatever because we can accept a lot, but we usually can't accept the whatever. You know? <laughs> 
So really, the, the idea is all of it needs to be open to and accepted. Mula Nasruddin decided to plant some flowers. He prepared the soil and planted some seeds. However, when the flowers came up, dandelions came up as well. There were more dandelions than flowers. Nasruddin asked every gardener he knew what to do, and he tried every method known to get rid of them, but nothing worked. Finally, he made a journey to speak to the best gardener in the area. This gardener had counseled many gardeners before and suggested a variety of remedies to Nasruddin. Nasruddin had tried them all. Nasruddin and the gardener sat together in silence for some time. Finally, the gardener looked at Nasruddin and said, Well then, I suggest you learn to love them. And this is really what is required. This is really what we are invited to do, is to love all of the weeds. In the realm of meditation, whatever arises is okay. We don't quite believe that. But because we have no control over what arises, it's got to be okay. Now, it's always coming out of past conditioning. It's not something we choose. So whatever arises is okay. Unconditional actually does mean unconditional. It means all of it, everything, leaving nothing out. Not comparing ourselves with others the way we are deeply conditioned to do when we We are only imagining other people's experiences, but we can be so sure of what that other person's experience is and don't see ourselves as measuring up. We can also, of course, measure ourselves against ourselves, past experiences that we've had. This sense of having experienced something or been someone or had have had a really good moment in the past that's not happening now. You know, this being, this self, this personality who had this moment at some point in the past and it's not happening now. And so we're trying to measure up to something that is long gone. You know, and it's, it's so harsh. It's so unkind. In this realm of acceptance, there's actually no out because we come upon those moments where we just cannot accept. That's the way it is. You know, we, we've heard the teaching, we're trying, it makes sense to us. It sounds like it'd be lovely to do, you know, but it's so far away from reality. It just is absolutely impossible. We're up against a concrete wall. There's never a way not to practice, though. So to accept non-acceptance is the way out. <laughs> you know? This is, the, this is a way to be able to open to the whatever. You know, to not try and force acceptance when it is absolutely impossible. And we know when that's happening. You know, there's rigidity, there is refusal... Um, there's, there, it's just impossible for us to do so. So fine, you know, to be loving and unconditional means to accept that there is non-acceptance. And oftentimes that's a way to soften. If, because always we want to be with how things are, not something idealized. 
So if non-acceptance is happening, that is just fine. Whatever arises is okay. So if non-acceptance is arising, not a problem. Is it possible, though, to continue to practice, to not allow ourselves to be intimidated or swayed or bullied or pushed around, but instead to soften into the non-acceptance, to stay very quiet, to stay very still, to to stay very soft, and in a sense to relax into the inability in that moment to accept. And this keeps us cooking. You know, it kind of keeps the process going because we're not stopping. And stopping is the only problem. We are taking this middle path between avoidance and dwelling. Avoiding what's happening in the here and now and dwelling in, making a home in what's happening in the here and now. Bodhidhamma's teacher said this, When I inhale, I don't dwell upon things. When I exhale, I don't pursue thoughts. Thus I breathe the sutra as it isness, hundreds of thousands of millions of times. When I inhale, I don't dwell upon things. When I exhale, I don't pursue thoughts. Thus I breathe the sutra as it isness, hundreds of thousands of millions of times. That's patience, hundreds of thousands of millions of times. This really is the grace of our practice. There is really a big difference between acceptance and resignation, though. Sometimes it can seem very, very similar, very close, and yet there's a gulf in between. Resignation is when we are relating to our experiences as this is how things are, this is how things have been, this is how things always will be, case closed. No, no, no room to see anything differently. A sense of permanence about the what it is that's happening. Resignation always comes out of the old. It comes out of the past. It comes from a deeply conditioned mental state in which there is a sense of powerlessness, of discouragement, of helplessness, of passivity, and it is very far away from acceptance and making space for our experiences to be as they are. Within resignation, of course, there is the belief that things will never change, that they will always be the way they are right here and now, which can never be so because the law of impermanence reigns supreme. So we really want to question those moments when we think that something is always going to be the way it is right now because it never can be true. It's just not possible. Nothing, no phenomena, no mental state, no, nothing is outside of the realm of impermanence. So this is quite different than accepting how things, that things are as they are in this moment. And that is what's asked of us, not to accept things in a global way, 
you know, I have to accept this, I have to accept that, and it's very big, it's very global, it's who I am, you know, the world. It's really more in this moment, is it possible to soften? In this moment, is it possible to make room for? Is it possible to accommodate? Is it possible to soften into instead of resisting in a conditioned way? Is it possible to relax into discomfort, physical discomfort, emotional discomfort, mental discomfort, right here and right now? Not next moment, not at the end of the hour, not looking at the day in a global way. Because this actually is impossible. But right here and now, what is possible? Acceptance is the new. It doesn't come from a conditioned mental state. Acceptance does not come from a conditioned mental state. What is seeing conditions is unconditioned. So it's alive in the here and now. Acceptance is not the end point. It's the very beginning of transformation. And it leads us to wise action. It leads us to empathy to seeing what can be changed and changing what can be changed. It enlarges our capacity to love and to open. Of course, sometimes we think something needs to be changed and then we find out that actually the way it is was better than the way it changed. I was in um, Burma this past winter and Of course, I could talk a lot about my journey there. It was very fruitful. But I want to actually illustrate this this, um, point with a very extremely mundane uh, uh, illustration. I was there with um, a friend of mine, Carol. And we we spent most of our time at a monastery there that we're quite familiar with, which is near Rangoon. And we, um, we went to the monastery the way we always had. And um, what you usually do is you see the abbot pretty much right away, and the abbot takes your passport and gives you a key to a room. So we got a key. Well, actually, when we got there, the abbot was not there. He was away for the day. And so we were told to go to this particular room, and um, just wait for the abbot to come back. So we went into this room. You know, we brought our things with us, and we, came, we went into this room. And um, we both you know, looked around the room. We knew we were only going to be staying there for a few hours. But it was really dirty. And um, I, I sat on the bed, and it made a huge kind of creaking sound. You know? So there was this sense of, of the bed not being able to hold me up. Um, you know, there were huge spiders on the walls, but that's the way it is everywhere. So that actually wasn't an issue. But it was definitely a, you know, kind of a, a funky room. So um, we're just hanging out there, and, you know, we're, every so often one of us might say something. And um, then um, we found out that the abbot was back. So we left this room, and we went to see the abbot. And, um, you know, he did his thing of, taking our passports and this and that, signing us in. And he gave us a key to a room. 
So we went to another building, to another room, and we walked into this room. Now, this is the room we were supposed to stay in. The other one we were just hanging out and visiting for a short amount of time. So we were in this second room that we were supposed to stay in, and it was dirtier than the first room. And the spiders seemed to be bigger. <laughs> and um, the room between the beds was, was super close, and Carol had a really bad cough. So, you know, there was very little room for us to, if one of us got out of bed, we would hit the other one. So we're kind of just registering this in our minds. And then we went into the bathroom, which is supposed to be a really nice thing because it's adjoined to the room. But um, the bathroom was, was really dirty, and it was all, it was just, it was kind of decorated with duct tape. There was a lot of <laughs> duct tape in this room. The, everything was being held with duct tape. And so we thought, well, you know, why don't we go back to the Abbott and see if there's another room? So, you know, because the first room didn't count. This is what we were thinking. So we went back to the Abbott, trotted back to the Abbott, and, um, and said, I wonder, you know, we knew that there weren't as many people in the monastery as usual because a lot of people had canceled their plans. So we thought, probably there's another room that, um, you know, that we can stay in. So we got a key. And we went back, and we went to a, another building, another room, and we walked in, and it was twice as bad as the second room. <laughs> and the spiders were bigger. <laughs> I sat down on the bed, and I thought the whole thing was going to collapse because it was, it was swaying, and it was dirtier, and, you know, it was just, just much worse. So we looked at each other, <laughs> and we trotted back to the abbot, no shame. And, um, and he looked at us, you know, very amused and bemused and, you know, very kindly. And he, um, uh, we, we chatted for a little bit, you know. We said, could we have the first room? <laughs> <laughs> so he very kindly gave us the key to the first room, and we went back to the first room, and it was wonderful. <laughs> it had a great feeling, great vibration. It was, it was clean, you know? All of a sudden, it was like somebody had gone in there and cleaned it, which is not possible. And then, during the time that we stayed, we kept noticing better and better things about it. It got better and better, you know? Like, it, we saw it was so quiet. Other rooms were noisy. It was so quiet. It was chilly during that time at night. It was so warm. It was an incredibly warm room. It felt fantastic, to be in this room. It was the best room in the world. <laughs> so, the mind. The mind being the mind. How can we know if we are truly accepting something? Because sometimes we think we are because we, you know, think we should, but we're really not. One thing to check, one thing to ask is is time involved? You know, are we um, thinking, how long will this last? How long do I have to endure this? This is a tip (laughs) that acceptance is not happening. (laughs) Time implies a sense of agenda, and the agenda is very clear. The agenda is to get rid of. When we believe in Thoughts of time. I mean, thoughts of time, of course, they're conditioned, they're going to arise, no problem. But when we attach to them, 
And when we believe in them, it is a very clear sign of resistance. So we can actually use this um, all day long in our practice. You know, because as I say, thoughts of time are bound to arise. But it's the attachment and the belief that it actually matters that, you know, kind of we, we, that time is something that's solid, that gives us this signal that actually we need to ask, is it possible to open to this? Is it possible to relax into this? Is it possible to make room for this? Another way to see if we are truly accepting something is to see if negotiation is involved, as in, I will be aware of this so that it will go away. Yeah. In other words, trying to manipulate awareness never works because it's not awareness. It's manipulation. So it's not raw. It's not pure awareness. Acceptance is opening to the out-of-control nature of our inner experiences. We understand We understand that the only thing in this world that is possible to control is where one chooses to place one's attention. This is all that we can control in this uncontrollable world, but it's huge. Where we place our attention makes all the difference in the world. Remembering to be attentive makes all the difference in the world. It's the difference between being lost in what's happening, lost in our thoughts and our emotions and absorbed into versus being aware of. I'd like to mention a few um, ways when you find it difficult to accept. Just a few ways to look at things. One, we could call them methods maybe, One method when one finds oneself lost in resistance and judgment and condemnation of what is inwardly happening is to ask, can I allow this feeling to fill the room? In other words, our instinct is to try to make it go away. Our instinct is to try to to extinguish it. It's to try to make it smaller. And so it can be... Um, You want to just kind of play around with this, but it can be skillful means to allow it to be as big as possible. It doesn't mean thinking. You know, we really want to drop the story when we do this. But it's the environment, the inner environment, that we want to get bigger and bigger. Um, Just simply because our instinct is to repress and to push away and to try to make it go away at all costs, it's kind of going a bit in the opposite direction so that um, it, it might be possible to relax into it and make room for it. I, um, I was working with, um, with someone some time ago around this and suggested she had a very strong emotion that um, she felt really bad about and quite condemning of and had a lot of aversion to and didn't know what to do. So I, I was instructing her and guiding her and trying to make it bigger and bigger. So she, um, she started off, you know, just, just make it as big as your body and then just make it as big as the room. We were in a fairly small room, so she could let it be in the room. And then to allow it to fill the meditation center, and so she was okay with that. 
and then to allow it to get even bigger and fill the town. And this was, you know, this felt like a very toxic feeling to her. But she was okay, you know, let it fill the town of Cambridge, the city of Cambridge. And then, you know, Massachusetts, okay, that's all right. And, um, and then, you know, we got bigger, and she, she um, moved into New Hampshire, and that was okay. <laughs> And then she was really, you know, she was so diligent and sincere, and she was really doing this. And so it started to move into Vermont, and that's when she had to stop. She loves Vermont. (laughs) And so it was all over. She just could not do it. Um, To the border of Vermont was okay. But anyway, you get the idea. However big you can make it, however much you can make it expand, and again, simply because we always are going in the other direction. So it's not to, um, to um, uh, think about it. We really want to drop our storyline. But just that inner atmosphere is what I'm talking about. Um, sometimes this is a little bit difficult of a question, but I offer it to you, which is, would it be okay if this were to be so for the rest of my life? And sometimes we do. For some of us here, we do have situations that we know pretty much is going to be a certain way for the rest of our life. Could I accommodate it? You know, could I find a way to be at peace within it? As a question, not as a demand. You know, not in any way as a should or an expectation, but as a very loving um, question to ask. Another way to practice, a third way, is to be aware of whatever it is that is difficult and uncomfortable and hard to accept, to be aware of that, but at the same time to be aware of the environment around you. You know, in other words, to be aware of the breeze against your skin at the same time a very difficult um, inner experience is happening. To be aware, we've been talking about sound, to be aware of different sounds happening. So it's not pushing away what is difficult to accept. It's allowing it to breathe. It's allowing it to be there because it's always a key that pushing away anything actually makes it stronger, makes it worse. This is a spiritual law or a law of nature. But to allow it to be there, you know, to not think it need be any different than the way it is, and at the same time to expand instead of narrowing in. You know, that's really what we want to avoid is this narrowing in, this over-focusing on. Because so often when we're over-focusing on, tension enters in. And there can't help but be aversion. There can't help be some kind of background, subtle agenda of trying to make it go away, which, as I just said, makes it stronger, you know, is a, a really a big recipe for, um, for making it bigger than it need be. Acceptance doesn't at all mean condoning. I mean, it definitely doesn't mean passively accepting unacceptable outer situations in our life, for goodness sakes. But inwardly, as well, acceptance doesn't mean condoning. It doesn't mean aligning with. It means getting close enough to be able to understand more deeply. It means um, allowing ourselves to be intimate 
with ourselves so that investigation is possible. If we're holding it at arm's length, you know, whatever we're afraid of, whatever we're resisting, whatever we're condemning of, we won't be able to see into its true nature. We won't be able to see it clearly because at the same time as we know we need to see it clearly, we're pushing it away. And it doesn't work like that. You know, we have to have a certain degree of intimacy um, so that it is possible to look at it close up, you know, to see into what is actually happening, to see into its true nature. We need to be able to see clearly for ourselves because we all have a lot of ideas about um, what is good and what is bad and what is right and what is wrong and what is fruitful and what is not fruitful and what is wholesome and what is unwholesome. You know, we all read a lot of books about these things, but to know within oneself is totally different. You know, to experience for oneself is totally different than hearing from anyone uh, what is fruitful and what is not. What do we actually want to encourage within our hearts? This is such a profound question. What do we want to let wither? And not to... um, not to accept this from anyone else. The only way we can really allow the cultivation of what is fruitful is to know for ourselves what is indeed fruitful. The only way we are actually willing to let that which is unfruitful wither is through our own experience. You know, it has to come from the inside. Of course, when we hear something you know, if it comes from somebody that we trust, of course it can help. But it's such a different process to hear something from anyone else than it is to know it from inside one's own body, one's own heart, one's own earned life experience. So this leads us to interest and understanding, wisdom and discernment. Sometimes there's a seeming paradox in the practice, and sometimes a question will be asked about this seeming paradox, which is that the teaching is to accept things as they are. You know, we keep hearing this. At the same time, we are also very much guided, very much directed to know the difference between the wholesome and the unwholesome. So which is true, to accept which means accepting the unwholesome qualities that we discover and find within ourselves, or to change the unwholesome into the wholesome. Another way to put this might be something along the lines of, you know, I read Buddhist books that imply that qualities such as equanimity is a preferred state of being. And it's better to be equanimous than it is to be agitated and, and in chaos. Hmm. But then I hear, just be mindful of being agitated. Yeah? I hear that as well. What's a yogini to do? The teachings point out the path. The teachings point out the way. Mindfulness is a way. Mindfulness is contact, and out of contact comes learning and wisdom. One fundamental aspect of wisdom this is a definition of wisdom, is discerning between the unwholesome and the wholesome. We can here just accept 
know, things as they are. It's kind of new agey, I'm okay, you're okay kind of thing, which is not the whole of the path. We can hear, or any of the path actually, we can hear equanimity is wholesome, so veer towards the wholesome. There's a difference between the wholesome and the unwholesome, so cherish the wholesome. And this is true, but it can sometimes, in a certain mood, sound moralistic or confining. You know, another rule about how we should be. We shouldn't be agitated. We should be equanimous. But actually, wholesome means that which is whole. And unwholesome means that which is fragmented. So this is really different than the usual ways that we sometimes can't help but think in terms of right and wrong and good and bad. It's really the difference between happiness and misery. Do we value happiness? Do we want to perpetuate misery? It's different, the understanding that we have around that which is conventional, a conventional trying to be good that is not freedom, versus being skillful in our lives or unskillful, being wise and cherishing the wise versus being unwise, embracing and encouraging compassion, valuing compassion instead of of being harmful. I'm sure all of us feel this way. And this is so different than trying to fit ourselves into conventional ways of being good, which are straitjackets. So the answer to this question of acceptance or discerning is that both are true. Accepting the unwholesome Accepting that which is difficult to accept within ourselves leads to transformation. Acceptance is essential because with acceptance, we can see very deeply. We can see into impermanence. We can see into identification. We can see what story am I attaching to right now? You know, where um, do my tendencies lie, my habits, my patterns? Where do I really enjoy dwelling? It's not possible to see things clearly without first accepting what is seen. Our training is to remain undistracted, to acknowledge, to accept, and to learn, to recognize, to allow for, and to know what to cultivate and to know what to let go of. This is a way of transformation. I'd like to um, just end with another short saying from Nisargadatta Maharaj. The bliss is in the full awareness of both pleasure and pain, not shrinking or in any way turning away. All happiness comes from awareness. The more we are conscious, the deeper the joy. Acceptance of pleasure, acceptance of pain, non-resistance, courage, and endurance. These open deep and perennial sources of real happiness, true bliss. Let's just sit for a moment. 